Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to um, continue this morning looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go over to the book of Hebrews. And our... Our text here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus. I think it would benefit us to recognize This is a continuation of a sentence that precedes it that tells us that there are some things we need to lay aside. Laying aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset so that we can run with patience the race. And while we're running this race, we are to have our attention focused on and established on Jesus looking unto Jesus and uh, specifically the victory that he endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. That's talking about the victory, the authority and the completion of the will of God that he attained in the cross. And so in previous teachings, We've covered a little bit of ground and those are available for free on our YouTube channel. You can go to the Roku channel and watch them. You can uh, uh, put in a request for them at the media center for free. We, we want you to uh, take the opportunity and go back because I can't rehearse everything that we've touched on, but just uh, momentarily we'll uh, look at what we've discussed previously In the first section, we learned that in this earth, there are three wills in operation. There are three wills in operation. There's the will of God, there's the will of man, and there's the will of Satan. And in the beginning, God, His will was visible by what He established in the garden and what He set by His declaration of the blessing and and uh, giving man authority, he, that was the will of God. And as long as Adam had his will submitted to the will of God, he was able to flow with and cooperate and receive all of the benefits that come with God's will. Amen? All of the provision of God, all of the blessing, all of the protection, as long as he kept his will submitted to God's will. But there came a day that, the, that Satan came in the garden and he began to talk to Eve and he said, did God say? And he began to cause her to think on his word and he presented his thoughts and as she meditated on his thoughts 
And she eventually acted on his thoughts. It says, when the woman saw, she'd never seen this before, but now she sees something she'd never seen because she had been looking at what Satan said. When Satan said, did God say, you shall not surely die. God's just trying to keep you from what's attached to the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And questioning God's character, questioning a complete out-and-out confrontation that God lied, you shall not surely die. God said, if you eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. And Satan is now telling her, no, you will not really die. That's no, 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 you're not really going to die. No, 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 healing's not really for today. No, 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 God didn't mean fill in the blank. Because the enemy is using the same tactics to bring an alternative idea that is contrary to what God said and let people think on it until they accept it. And the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that tries to lift itself up and exalt itself against the knowledge of God, 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 3 through 5. If it's coming to take a place higher than the Word of God, it's something that needs to be attacked and attacked with a veracity. I mean, you need to come against it with a, a, a fervor. Amen? And so because she did not, you do not see any resistance. You do not see any resistance to his thoughts. She did not make the devil uncomfortable at all. Now, Jesus didn't let the devil talk and get away with it. If the devil said something, he pulled a sword on him. He pulled the sword on him. He said, it is written. He pulled that sword right out. It is written, right? And so Satan wasn't comfortable in his presence. But there's nothing showing us that, that Eve made Satan uncomfortable. He, she just let him talk. Here, you want some tea and, and cupcakes? You know, how about a cupcake? Uh, uh, she allowed the enemy to talk, and it, in doing so, it entered into her mind and changed her way of thinking. She had a renewed mind in the wrong direction. And then it says, she, when the woman saw, she did eat and gave... So when her perception changed, her action changed. And she began to behave in line with the will of Satan. And that, that caused the fall. When, when, when Adam also, in his disobedience, ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he submitted his will to the wrong will. He submitted his will to Satan's word because the word of God is the will of God and what Satan was suggesting and telling them was what he wanted them to do. His will was in his words and in acting on and accepting his words they disconnected from the will of God and were no longer capable in that fallen condition, they died spiritually the moment they ate of the fruit. They died spiritually and it took 900 and some odd years for Adam's body to die. 
but he died spiritually the moment that he ate the fruit. And because of that spiritual death, he became disconnected from the will of God and all the provision that came with the will. And so God, in his mercy, said, we've got to get them out of the garden. Because if they eat the fruit of the tree of life in this condition, they will live forever disconnected from my will. They will live forever connected to the will of Satan. So we've got to remove them from accessing the tree of life so that we can redeem them. And in the, redeem, in the redemptive state, when, if we can redeem them and get them back to a place of, of being spiritually alive, then they can connect back to the will. Amen? Amen? And that's what the redemption in Jesus Christ does. It reconnects us to God's plan for our life allowing us to have the relationship with God, allowing us to be able to understand the thoughts of God, allowing us to interact with His uh, provision and His plan and, and His Spirit. Praise God, giving us uh, an advantage in every area of life. Yes. So Amen. in the redemption, God was able to bring man back. But when, when we recognize that there is a will. Now, I've, I've had uh, people say, oh, let's not talk about Satan. Well, if you don't know you have an adversary, you won't know how to resist him. And so we better at least talk about him enough so we don't give him any glory. He is defeated. We don't, we don't honor him. Uh, uh, we, we, uh, we re but we resist him. We must know that he is an adversary and he needs to be spoken to with authority in the name of Jesus. And there needs to be a standard where we recognize if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, Satan is trying to trespass and I need to let him know he, to get off my property. Because a trespasser doesn't ask for permission to come trespass on your, on your property. They're not going to knock on the door and ask you if they can steal your television today. You better just put it out there. No, no, I'm, look, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. No, no stealing and killing in my house. And so go ahead and open up your mouth and, and declare it over your house so the angels have some, something to work with. No weapon formed against this house, this righteous sanctified, God-fearing family. No weapon formed against us is going to be able to prosper. If you put it out there, the angels hearken to the voice of God's Word. You've got to give voice to God's Word so that when the enemy comes to steal, the angel steps up and said, No, the owner of this house said no weapon formed against this family is going to prosper, so you can't bring that in here. Amen? And so that resistance is required because of what we've been discussing. God gave man authority. If you let the enemy trespass, he will. Is that what happened in the garden? Was it God's will for Satan to be in the garden talking? It, it wasn't God's will for him to be in the snake, and it wasn't God's will for him to have any conversation with Eve, but it wasn't God's place to come down and stop the enemy from talking. Adam and Eve were both equipped with authority. They had been given charge to resist the devil. He said, you have dominion. Subdue the earth. 
You guard it. You keep it. You protect it. If anybody comes in here trespassing, you say something. You speak up. You tell them, no, not in my house. You tell them, no, get out of that snake. You don't have any right being that snake. You don't have any right talking to me. If a believer, and I'm going to close my eyes so nobody think I'm talking to anybody. If a believer is sitting around and thoughts are bombarding their mind to the point that they begin to cry or twist their hands or want, you're letting him talk too much. That believer is letting the enemy talk too much. You've you got to open your mouth and you've got to say something. Like Jesus said, it is written. He defeated Satan with Deuteronomy. And we've got Ephesians. We've got Colossians. We've got First and Second Peter. We've got First and Second Timothy. We've got First and Second Corinthians. We've got a whole lot more. We've got, we've got advanced bullets. Advanced artillery. We got, we got the technology in the new covenant made of better promises, right? We've got better promises to pull out and say, what did you say? Oh, no, you did not say that to me in my house. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I declare that God has given me the victory. He always causes me to triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm blessed going in, coming out in the field, the city, the country, the basket, the storehouse. Hallelujah. No curse is able to operate in my finances. No curse is able to operate in my body. I am the blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah. You've got to say it. And you've got to have it in your heart so you can pull it out of your mouth. Because it has to come out with the power. Out of the abundance of the heart, Matthew chapter 12, 34 and 35. Out of the abundance of the heart, man speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart. If it's not there in abundance, if it comes out something different, like, I don't know why this is always happening to me. Woo! Just put your hand right over your mouth and go get your face in the Bible. Get your face in the Bible and say, I'm not opening my mouth till I have something good to say. Until my heart is filled with the right thing. Because I am going to govern my mouth. I will not let my mouth sin against God. And put me in a position that I'm going to have to... to, to fight my way out of I'm just going to go ahead and put my hand over my mouth and I'm going to go get my face in the word till my heart gets full hallelujah I'm trying to rehearse that's all I'm trying to do I'm just trying to rehearse I don't think we said all that in the first time so praise God add that to the first teaching in our second installment of Jesus looking unto Jesus Uh, we learned that God had to legally provide the way for man to return to spiritual life and gain victory over sin. He had to do it legally, and so Jesus had to have a body. He had to come as a man because, why? God gave authority to man in Genesis chapter 1. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let man have authority. I'm going to give the authority to man. 
So because it had been delegated, and even when Adam fell, it did not go back to God. It fell into the hands, that authority fell into the hands of Satan. And when Satan was tempting Jesus, we see him take Jesus up and show him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you this dominion. I'll, gi I'll give you this dominion for it has been given to me. God didn't give him that dominion. God didn't give Satan any dominion. When Adam fell, he submitted his will. And in doing so, what had been delegated completely to Adam now fell under Satan's authority. So... For God to redeem man, he had to do it through man, and there wasn't a man on the earth qualified to redeem man because every man born on the earth was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Every man born on the earth through Adam's lineage was born with a spiritual condition tainted by Adam's fall. So in order for God to redeem, he needed somebody that wasn't in the DNA lineage of Adam. Could not be traced back to the bloodline of Adam, but had to be a human legally. And so Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10. He said, uh, the thief, uh, the robber, he climbed up another way. He got into the earth another way. But the shepherd of the sheep came legally through the door. Legal entry to the earth is to be born on the earth. Legal entry into the kingdom of God is to be born again into the kingdom of God. So there's a twofold application of that. Legal entry into the earth is to be born on the earth. So you have authority because you have a birth certificate. And that's why the genealogy is in Matthew to say the begats and the begats and the begats and the begats. Why? Because that is legal birth certificate that Jesus was born as a man, but he wasn't born by a man and a woman coming together and producing a child. He was born by the seed of the woman. That's what God prophesied and Satan could not figure out how is a woman going to get seed. But the Bible says that we're born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. The Word of God is seed. The parable of the sower, he rehearsed that the sower sows the seed. The Word of God is the seed. So a word was brought to Mary that said, you shall bring forth and conceive a child and he shall be the son of the Most High God and you will call his name Emmanuel and the government will be upon his shoulders. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. And the word, the seed of God conceived in the womb of Mary caused a supernatural childbirth and she brought forth a child without the intervention of man, but he was a legal human. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe that Mary was a virgin. 
And the way that she conceived was because the Word became flesh, John 1, 14. The Word became flesh. So Jesus legally entered as a man, and when the demons encountered him in different Gospels, we see, for instance, when he is casting those demons out of the man referred to as Legion in Mark chapter 5. That demon looked at Jesus and said, I adjure you by God. I command you, a military command, I command you by God that you don't torment me. Another demon, when Jesus man with the withered arm in the, in the temple. And, they, and the demon said, we know who you are. We know who you are. You're the, you're the Holy One of Israel. He wasn't testifying. He was confronting him and saying, you don't have any right to tell me what to do because you're God and you don't have authority on the earth. But he did. And he cast that demon out. He commanded that, those demons in legion to go to out of him. Amen? Why? Because he did have authority as a man. And for anyone to think that's blasphemy, that Jesus could be 100% the Son of God, and 100% a human being at the same time is going to have a hard time seeing themselves as a child of God. Because I am 100% human. But at the same time, I am 100% a daughter of the Most High God. I am spiritually alive, but I am legally in this body. And because I'm legally in this body, I have authority here to tell what my Father wants done to be done to execute the authority and the will of my heavenly Father to be done on this planet. And because I am one who is righteous by nature, alive unto God with the anointing of God upon me, and I come in the name of Jesus, I have authority that outranks any demonic spirit that exists on this planet. There is no demon who outranks me in power. Or you... Why? Because I have a legal right to be here and they don't. They are here. They came up another way. They climbed up into the earth another way. They have no legal right to be here. Hallelujah. So Jesus legally redeemed us. And we have to believe that he became a man. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll read in verses 5 through 7. Hebrews 10, 5. He has in the previous verses been explaining why the Old Testament law was not effective, that it was only a placeholder until the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus could be instituted It explained and exposed, thank you for that word, it exposed that the law was a shadow and it could not make the worshipers 
mature in their relationship with God or complete in their relationship with God, but the blood of Jesus did. It exposed that the worshipers were continually conscious of sin, but the blood of Jesus has purged our conscience so that we can serve a living God. It exposed that uh, the worshipers uh, with the blood of bulls and goats did not have their sin taken away, but we have our sin completely removed and taken away from us so that we are no longer responsible for the sins that we committed before Christ. And if we commit a sin after we've received Jesus, we go right back to Him and we repent to Him. We confess that sin and He washes us from any unrighteousness that that sin has established as an obstacle between us and God. He removes that washing us. Amen? Now, listen, just because we get saved once doesn't mean we can sin and, and not repent. Repentance is required in the washing. Repentance, so we, we live in this body, but we're not under dominion of sin. Why? Because Jesus gave me victory over the sin nature, making my nature new. I am not a sinner by nature. If you've received Jesus, you are not a sinner by nature. You have been made the righteousness of God. He became sin. He never committed a sin, but He became sin so that you would be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. You are now a partaker of His divine nature. And because we are partaking of that divine nature through Christ, if because my, in, I'm, in, I'm living in this flesh, if I sin, I go to my Lord, my high priest, and I say, forgive me. I sinned. I did something I shouldn't have done. I acted a way I shouldn't have. I opened my mouth and said something I shouldn't have said. Lord, forgive me. And He is faithful to forgive me as I confess that to Him. Amen? But sin is not my nature. Why? Because of this difference between the Old Testament sacrifice and the New Testament sacrifice. I've got to know who I am to walk in this newness of life. I've got to know I'm not what I was before to walk in this newness of life. I've got to know I'm alive unto God so I can walk in the newness of life. So he, that's what he has dealt with in the first four verses. Verse 5, he said, wherefore. So I, I went through all that because wherefore starts out verse 5 and you've got to find out wherefore what that means. Because in Christ... You do have a complete relationship with God and you do have your sins purged so that you have no more consciousness of them. And because the blood of Jesus has taken away your sin, it says, wherefore, when He came into the world, this is why He came. When He came into the world, when Jesus came into the world, He said, sacrifice and offering is not what you want but a body you have prepared me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin, you have had no pleasure. God wasn't impressed with the blood sacrifices. It was a placeholder. He wasn't impressed with the Old Testament feasts and Old Testament uh, rules and regulations. It was a placeholder. He's still not impressed with it. Why would I return to something that Jesus has completed and brought me into a new and better way? 
Amen. He wasn't, it, it didn't please him because it was a shadow. Ooh. Willie George used an example one time, and he said, if you walked in and you, you found me and I was holding a picture of my wife, I was holding a picture of my wife and I was kissing that picture of my wife. Oh, I love you so much. This is what he was ex explaining. I love you so much. And, and just touching that picture and just loving that picture. And she's walking around somewhere in the house. I, hey, I want my husband to come kiss me, not my picture. I want him to come put his arms around me, not my picture. Why would everybody want to hug the picture? The shadow, the image. When we've got Jesus, the real, we've got the real, we've got Jesus. Let's embrace him. Let's celebrate him. Amen. So the offerings and sacrifices of the animals, God had no pleasure in it because it didn't accomplish what it it didn't accomplish what the relationship with God was supposed to be. Only the blood of Jesus accomplishes that. Only the blood of Jesus brings us into a justified condition, a cleansed from sin condition, a righteous condition where we can walk with God as our Father. Hallelujah. And so he said, Then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I come to do your will. So now we're talking about the will of God again. What is the will of God? That we have the right relationship with Him. That we be in a real, intimate, personal relationship with God. Not constantly dealing with a consciousness of sin and I'm just a sinner, I'm just a, a, a sinner saved by grace, I'm just a, a dirty, rotten, no good, nobody. No, he wants us to come in and say, I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm free from the curse. I am set in a position of God's favor. Hallelujah. He wants us to have the will of God is that we have the relationship that God designed for us to have. And so Hebrews chapter 2 holds three reasons that Jesus became a man. Three reasons that Jesus had to be in the body legally, not pretending to be a man. Jesus, Jesus did not pretend to be a man. He still has a man's body. He still has a man's body. Timothy refers to him as our mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. There's a man in the Godhead. He, he says, look here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, and we'll see the first reason that Jesus had to take on a man's body and become a man. It says in verse 9, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. That crown was the crown that man originally wore. It says in Psalm chapter 8, What is man that you're mindful of him? You've crowned him with glory and honor. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. He's wearing the glory crown that God gave the original Adam and that he lost when he fell. 
So the crown was glory. Crowned with glory. Crown is not just on the head. This word is talking about encircled by. The word crown means to, to wrap like a circle. So we refer to it often as the little circle around the head of a, a king or a queen or a monarch. But the word originally means he was encircled with glory. Encircled with glory and honor. Why? Because God gave man authority. And part of operating authority is the glory. Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death. So he had to have a body to taste death. And he tasted death for you, Tracy. He tra tasted death for you, Ronica. He tasted death for all of us. Individually, he tasted my death. He tasted my death. He tasted death or experienced in his natural senses his body for every man. He experienced death. He died the death I deserved. The wages of sin, Romans says, is death. And I was a sinner. And I deserved to die for my sin. But I don't have to. Because Jesus died for my sin. And my faith in the fact that He died for my sin allows me to bring that recompense into my life so that I don't have to die. Now, I am no longer dead in sin, but I am now alive unto God. I have resurrected into the newness of life because He tasted death. So He had to have a body to do that. Verse 14. Verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, or you could grammatically say took part of flesh and blood. Because the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise in the same way took part of flesh and blood so that through death he might destroy, render inoperative, that word is defined, he could render inoperative the one who had, past tense, the power of death. Satan no longer possesses the keys of death, hell, or the grave. He once did. He once had the power of death. Remember, we've been translated out of the authority of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son, Colossians 1 tells us. Amen. So he had the power of death and how did it switch from, this, from the devil having the power of death to him no longer controlling that power? Jesus, through death, destroyed. He rendered him inoperative against us. He is inoperative against us. There's nothing He can do. He, there's nothing He can do to stop you from getting saved. If you choose to accept Jesus as Lord, the devil can throw whatever kind of fit he wants. He can try to cause whatever kind of havoc he wants. He can't stop you from accepting Jesus as Lord. Amen? He cannot stop a person from receiving. If, if he can't stop me from that, he can't stop me from receiving my healing. Amen. 
He can't stop me from receiving the prosperity that's mine in the blessing. He can't stop me from being blessed. He can fuss and carry on and try all kinds, but if I'll just keep walking in the Word, He can't, why? He's inoperative. None of His weapons work against me. That's what it means when it says our heritage from Isaiah 54. It says, no weapon formed against them shall be able to prosper. He doesn't own a weapon that can prosper. He can form it. He can aim it. He can fire it. But it won't work. Why? Because it's inoperative. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. You're in Christ. In Christ, there's no weapon against us. That's why we've got to learn how to live from our being in Christ. I'm in Christ and no weapon formed against me. Why? Because Jesus died. And through his death, he rendered the enemy inoperative. He stripped him of all of his weapons that could function against me. That's why he has to deceive people into thinking he's all that in a bag of chips because he's not. He's not. The Bible tells us that in the end, what will be said about Satan is, you mean to tell me he's the one that caused all that trouble? We'll look in the pit and we'll put our hands on our proverbial hips and we'll say, what? That little pipsqueak, are you? He is, what? That little weakling? No, what? He is as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He is as a roaring lion. He's a faker. He's an imposter. He's a liar and the father of all lies. Don't believe him. If he's coming and telling you anything, just laugh because it's a lie. It's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. Why? Jesus destroyed him. He destroyed him that had the power of death. That's the second reason. He had to be a man to die and do that. He had to be a man to die that death of an innocent man with, with the, the righteousness of God as a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. It wasn't a murder. It, wasn't, it, it was him in my place. Him in my place, in your place. Amen? That's the second reason. The third reason is found in verse 17. It says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him. Now behoove is not a word that I use any other time in my life except when I read this verse. Behooved means it, it was, he embraced it. It seemed good to him. It was pleasing to him. I wonder what the Amplified says. Could you show me how, to, how it reads in the Amplified? It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Now this is where the scripture will bring light to us that we can't get any other way. Because our natural tendency is to think Jesus had to come as a man and he probably thinks that's the lowest thing he could ever have to subject himself to. But so it says here in the Amplified, it is evident that it was essential that he be made like unto his brethren in every respect. Ooh, I do like that. 
essential. But when it says it behooved him, it was pleasing to him. In other words, God didn't have to twist his arm and talk him into it and say, come on, Jesus, it's the only way. I mean, if you don't do this, son, if you don't do this, there's no other way we're going to get these people out of the control of the enemy that Adam took them into. If you don't do this, come on. And Jesus spent, you know, decade after decade and century after century thinking, let me think about it, God. You know, I'm just not sure if I'm willing to to come out of my position as the second person of the Godhead and go down to the earth and be a human. Ooh, ooh, do I have to? Dad, do I? Oh, come on, Dad. Can't we just call one of these angels to go down there and take it? Come, come. It's, no, no. But isn't that the mindset that a lot of people have that Jesus, okay, <laughs> if I have to, if it's the only way. No, Jesus said, I'll go. You need a volunteer? Let me volunteer first. I'm the first to say, I will go redeem Tracy. I am the first to say, I will go be the, rede- the kinsman redeemer. Hey, I am, I, I'll be his brother. Yes, yes. It's not, it's not lower than me. God is our father. He created us in his image and in his likeness. And to see the, the creation that he had, had, had given life to and prepared the whole universe for us. Yeah. Fall into the hands of Satan and be under slavery and be subjected to the curse. He made the blood covering out of his mercy. But his plan from the very beginning was to get Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. They had already made the decision, I'll be the lamb. If it comes to that, if Adam falls, I'll be the sacrifice. So Jesus, he was all in. He was 100% for being the lamb of God. It wasn't something that was beneath him. He did not consider it something lower than his, his pay grade, if you will, to be made a man. He said, I will willingly be Ron Swagger's brother. I will willingly become a human being so that I am legally right to redeem them. It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. He calls you brother. He calls you sister. He calls you family. You are his family. And he's willing to fight for you. And he did, gaining the victory. And he says, hey, hey, I already won the victory for you. Here, just go ahead and take my victory. You don't have to fight. Take my victory. I'm your big brother. It behooved him to be made a human being like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. And his reconciliation is the cleansing and not the covering. It's the freedom and not the, the covering for a temporary uh, 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 time, period of time, until next year when you got to come back and do it again. No, once and for all. His blood is on the mercy seat for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm so grateful that he came to be my redeemer. I'm so grateful that he came and was born on this planet as a man so that he could have a legal right to redeem me. So that he could have a legal right to take his blood to the cross and lay down his life and die for me so that I don't have to die. He went to hell for me so that I don't have to go to hell. And God raised him from the dead so he could raise me from the dead. And that we can enter in boldly into the throne of His grace to receive His help in time of need. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lift your hands and tell Him thank you. Father, we worship you and we praise you for this, this sacrifice that Jesus so willingly offered upon the cross to set us free and to make us new and to bring us back into your will. And Father, we take our place in the will of God. And Lord, we accept all the righteousness that Jesus has made us to be. I just want you right now, with your hands lifted, I want you to accept the blood of Jesus to cover your shame. Any condemnation that subconsciously tries to tell you you're not righteous, you need to lay the blood on it. So say this with me, Father... I receive the blood of Jesus that purges my conscience. I have been made new and I want my mind to agree with what he's made me to be. I apply the blood to every area of my life. I apply the blood to my conscience so that I am aware that I'm righteous. I'm blood washed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And just lift your hands and worship Him for that washing.
as a light shining in the darkness. I desire to spotlight areas and bring a greater clarity and understanding by the light of my word to the areas that the enemy is trying to make obscure in your walk. Areas that you are not even consciously aware that there is an obscuring of the image you should be seeing. Perhaps you think it's just a feeling. Perhaps you think it's just an emotion. Perhaps it's just the way that you have thought for many years. But the light will drive the darkness out so that you can see clearly who I've made you to be and my perception of you. So walk in the light and commune with the light and every day put your face in my book of light and allow this light to shine upon your path because great are the plans that I have for you. Great are the things that I have prepared for you. But they're in the light. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for the light, Lord. Thank you for the light of your word. Thank you for the light that shows us who we are in Christ. That shows us how willing Jesus is to be our brother. Thank you for that light. Father, I pray over every person under the sound of my voice that you would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, flooded with light, that they would know what is the hope of your calling, that they would know what are the riches of the glory, the riches of the glory, the riches of the glory of your inheritance, that they would know what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Whew. We're going to see some things, family. We're going to see some things about who we are. We're going to see some things about the righteousness God has made us to be, and we're going to walk in it. We're going to walk in it until the legal and the vital are e equal in their operation in our life so that everything that is ours legally, we're walking in it. Amen? Amen. We're going to see it through the Word. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Stand with me today as we prepare to dismiss.